Hello, all you beautiful people out there in podcast land. My name is Paul Workman. I'm Zach McCoy. And it is your boy, Trav. And we are your Oscar Grouches. And welcome to our Thursday show, Thursdaysy, where we take a look at the oeuvre of a one Oscar bridesmaid and knower of cinema, Mr. Martin Scorsese. And Zach, what are we watching this week? This week, we're watching Mean Streets, the story of some reckless bros tearing up Little Italy, either hiding from or abiding the local mob. And is this everybody's first time seeing this film? Oh, you know it. No. No for me as well. Zach, when was your first time? My first time was uh, when I was in high school. First kind of getting into mob films and stuff. And, you know, I'd seen, uh, I think, Goodfellas at this point. So I was like, let's go watch. No, let's go watch Mean Streets. How about you? About the same. I was on a real Scorsese kick in high school. I'd seen uh, bringing out the dead taxi driver. And I was like, let's watch what else we can buy this guy. So <laughs> bringing out the dead, that's kind of an odd one to be a, a early one to see, I think, unless it. So, so um, <laughs> when, when I was, when I was renting movies at that, that video oh, yeah, store yeah. that used to let me rent movies all the time, it was the late nineties <laughs> and bringing out the dead uh, came yeah. out in 99. And um, I had gotten my, first dvd player in 2000 and they created like a small dvd shelf in the video store you know dvds hadn't quite gotten there yet yeah right so it was like a like two three foot sections of dvds front and back and that was the whole dvd section in the store and it was like right in the front of the store and bringing out the dead was just there with the big bright red cover with the the ambulance symbol on it and yeah. nicholas cage's face and i was like yo that looks wild let's let's watch that <laughs> and dude i've never even heard of this movie you're even talking about which you're bringing out the dead yeah oh okay we'll, um, we'll get there then yeah that's, i mean that's, i you said 99 so i mean <laughs> you know we got a couple decades to go but i've never yeah. heard of that movie i'm i'm excited for you to watch that it's whew, it's nuts <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It is. Well, I mean, Nicolas Cage in 1999 was a stud, bro. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was he was doing some of his most wild shit around that time because mm-hmm. uh, Con Con Air comes out in 97. So Face Off comes out in 97. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. Nicolas Cage was really hitting that stride where he was just working with some of the weirdest people and doing some bizarre films and. And he's Martin still Scorsese. doing bizarre films. Yeah, but I mean, you know, he had done a few before this, but this is really the point where he starts kicking it into that weird high gear. Yeah. Right. And we'll get there. But anyway, yeah. we'll get there. I have a lot to say about that movie. Yeah. And I'll probably have a lot more to say about it after watching it for the first time in like 15 years. Yeah. But we're talking about Mean Streets. Uh, and I don't have an Oscar breakdown this week because it didn't get nominated for anything. Double checking. Wow, are you serious? I am very serious. Wow. Uh, I mean, I yeah. don't know what else came out in 73, but that's a little shocking to me. Yeah, I'm, we just got done talking about it uh, yesterday's episode. Um, a lot of stuff came out in 73, but there were probably there was probably a place for this on uh, the Best Picture nominee. If you know. Yeah, I, I would take out two of the nominees. Was, ye- was yesterday's episode's... 73 mm-hmm. yeah we're 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 keeping coincidentally the, yeah no it's not coincidental we're keeping the thursdays in step with what we're talking about mm. on the main show 
that's that's why we started the Thursdays because I realized we were coming up on a point where we could probably have a second smaller show and uh, Martin Scorsese started directing around the time that I came up with the idea to do a second show and that's kind of how the show was born. I was like, hey, let's talk about the movies that he makes uh, coupled with the year that we're talking about on the podcast. So everything we're doing takes place is this is 73. So uh, we're talking about it the same year. Next year, we'll be talking about a different film that came out in 74 because he in the early 70s, he was just bang, bang, bang with this film. Bang, 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 bang. That's right. Bang, bang, bang. I just want bang, bang, bang. Okay. Um <laughs> but yeah, there there was surprising there was not even like even an acting nomination for you know Kaitel or De Niro oh, on this. De Niro De Niro and Kaitel should have been nominated for this and Yeah. Yeah, this is uh, wild. I mean, that best actor category is stacked as hell though. Mm. Cuz it's well, it, it's Redford, Pacino, Nicholson, Brando, Jack Lemmon. I mean, that's <laughs> a, Right, right, right. But De Niro at this point, De Niro's never been nominated for anything, right? This is essentially his first film. Okay, okay. I, I don't Dude, know. It's... Hold on, bro. <laughs> I just noticed the shirt that Zach's wearing. <laughs> I often wear this on recording nights. <laughs> oh my we, god! Yeah, I me and Jonathan don't even pay attention like, to it anymore. <laughs> I was like, "Is that a person on his shirt? Is that Kalen? Yeah, yeah." <laughs> yeah. Is a, oh, God, I mean, obviously, I know the shirt exists, yeah. but I did not know you're wearing it right now. So it just <laughs> quarantine purchase. And, you know, I'm like super tired. So, like, I'm just giggly. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I like to take her mouth and just like fold it up over her nose. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I'll walk no, up. You need to turn this into a magnet. <laughs> That's a good idea. But <laughs> like, I'll see her in the bedroom and I'll walk up to her and I'll be like, Hey, <laughs> no, just, do you make her kiss herself? I, I've tried to. And she's like, leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Oh, that's, that's when she starts sliding the divorce papers out of the folder. <laughs> I've had enough. <laughs> He's like, no, 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 you can put those back up. Jeez. And then he's going to have like divorce paper shirts. <laughs> Just got like. <laughs> I'd have, if, God forbid that would be my casket. I'd have divorce paper casket. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, so, yeah, this is De Niro's first movie. That's wild. That's, it's so weird seeing him so young. Yeah. It is weird. Um, like, as you know, the movie you love and I just think is terrible. What is it? Uh, the, the motorcycle movie. Oh, Easy Rider. Easy Rider, bro. It's so bad. But when I saw, <laughs> when I saw Jack Nicholson in it, I was like, dude, he looks weird you young. Need to, you need to see the 1950s Little Shop of Horror. Uh-huh. He's he's like fourteen years younger than that, and it's that's it's so weird. He's always been old ever since I've been watching movies. So yeah. to see him and De Niro, like young, thriving young men, it is weird, dude. Yeah, <laughs> like, uh, like yeah. I mean, I've watched things like Taxi, Taxi Driver and stuff. So uh, 
seen him young, but uh, like when he's dancing towards the end of the movie, it's just like, I don't know. It, it, it's <laughs> odd thinking about Robert De Niro busting a move. I, I don't know. For some reason, that's odd. Well, dude, ex- <laughs> especially now, because I mean, he is what? He's in his 80s? About, about turn Late 80, 70s? I think, yeah. 79 right. or 78. And I mean, I, the last time I seen him was uh, the Emmys. Like, would Ricky Gervais was hosting, so that's what, two mm. years ago? Yeah. And uh, he was sitting at the table with uh, Irishman had just come out. So it's like him, Ray Romano, Scorsese, uh, Al Pacino. Mm-hmm. And like, bro, this dude, he's an old elderly man. <laughs> and then we watch this movie and he's dancing. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm seeing. And it is what it blew my mind, dude. He was in a, a Brian De Palma movie called Greetings before this. Uh, oh, okay. But, but. Between this and Bang the Drum Slowly that came out in 73, those are right. his first kind of starring role. Or you know, Yeah, he's roles. he's in a few other things, but this is... Yeah, this is... Hello. This was essentially his breakout. Like, right. This is the film where everybody sat up and went, oh, well, what's this? Yeah. And then and listen to next week's uh, main episode. for Yeah, for more. <laughs> oh, we got, a, we got a lot of Bobby coming up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> A lot of Bobby. A lot of Bobby. Bobby D. Uh, Bobby it's so Bobby. weird whenever, anytime there's like a round table of actors, everyone calls him Bob. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and it's so weird. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, it's, it's like going back and watching like Old and Living Color, uh, Jim Carrey's listed as James. James. <laughs> James. Like <laughs> Lawrence like a- Fish, Larry Fishburne back Larry in the Fishburne. day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or Lawrence Fishburne the third as he was a... Uh, Credited in Cornbread Earl and Me. Dude, that's wild. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But yeah. Um, so it, I see he did win uh, the National Society of Film Critics Award for Best Supporting Actor. Oh, that's good. But not even a sniff at the Oscars. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. I've never heard of that. It, I mean, it's what it sounds like. It's just a film Critics Award. Yeah, American Film Critic Organization. Uh, it's known for its highbrow taste. <laughs> One of the that's most amazing. prestigious film critic awards in the United States. It looks like it's still going on, so that's good. Wow. Yeah. Um, Dude, I got to say, though, one of my... I actually really like this movie, right? Yeah. Like, But, of course, man, it's Martin Scorsese doing gangster shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Yeah, of course it was good, but and, the names of the characters in this movie <laughs> is so good. I'm like, I don't know where he comes up with these names for his characters in the movies, but they're so spot on to what old gangster mob people would be named. Like, dude, this man named himself Jimmy Shorts, bro. <laughs> like, what an incredible name <laughs> that is. Uh, yeah, and, and you know, this is this is him essentially kicking off his version of gangster films yeah right it's like nothing had been shot like this before Mm -hmm. he he was creating a new cinema language as they were going along in this film yeah which is also kind of incredible for this only being his third film right um what's that uh perhaps you know the the name of the stylist shot where the camera's right in the character's face and they're still in like the backgrounds moving around them. Like we're, um, you know, Char- Charlie's walking through the bar and, um, normally like with, with Spike Lee does what's called a double dolly shot. Yeah. Where both the camera and the actor are on a dolly mm-hmm. and they're both moving at the same time. 
this is similar, but probably with ne- without a dolly, I guess. Most likely, especially with the space they're moving yeah. through. Right. So I don't necessarily know what the name of the shot that they're using for this is. Um, but yeah, that I can't recall seeing it in a film before this. Yeah, that party sequence where they're following him is incredible to watch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even even earlier in the film when he's just walking through the bar and he's dancing and the camera's just <laughs> tracking him. Right, right, right. Mm. Yeah, it there's there's just incredible camera work in this film. And yeah, yeah, they did stuff like that on the the pool scene mm-hmm. when they're in the pool hall and the fight breaks out. Oh, that and like then you get like the good. shaky cam. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, dude, that fight, that whole fight scene is so good. Yeah. It's like, yeah. what kind of life did Scorsese live? To like be able to depict what maybe he just created it so like you think that this is what gangster shit looks like in real life and it really doesn't look like this, but he's tricked you. But I feel like he's seen some shit, bro. Yeah. And like he knows how this thing operates, dude, and it's crazy. I honestly wouldn't be shocked to learn that he did see a lot of shit like this go down. Uh but also, one feels with the stylization of the film that it's kind of cranked up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where it's like, maybe something like this did go down, but probably not to this level. Yeah. Just the, the violence, though. He, I mean, it sounds adolescent to say that there's very few people that capture violence like he does. It, it's, it seems so realistic. And Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, his violence is never glorious. Yeah, no, it, no, no. It always like you could feel every punch and every like gunshot because yeah. he wants you to not revel in the fact that these people are being harmed. Right. Yeah, I don't. I've I I haven't seen every Scorsese movie. Honestly, I've probably only seen a third of his actual film, filmography. But I feel like this is the first time I've ever seen a Scorsese movie where there's like an action fight scene where it's like choreographed combat. Like most of them are just gory gun stuff. But like this one, you have like De Niro on the pool. <laughs> when he's, he, he breaks the pool stick, he's like standing on top of the pool table. And then like five dudes just like grab him off and carry him away and beat the <laughs> shit out of him. And I'm like, dude, this is crazy. Yeah, they got the one tracking shot of the guy like trying to ward off the other two dudes that are just coming at him over Doing and over nothing. again. Like, thanks, yeah, he's bro. Just like, Go away. like he he's handling five dudes. The other guy's handling like some fat guy, and that is it. <laughs> yeah, I think you know a year after The Godfather too. It's like this is the the scroungy little brother. Like, not that mm-hmm. the Godfather, not that the Godfather's. I wouldn't say it's glorified because it's still like this is a, a shitty situation, but it's, you know, the highbrow uh, kind of aristocracy of the mafia. And then you got this little. Yeah, you, this is the low level grunts. Yeah. The number runners and dudes that are trying to get made. Yeah. No, you've got as far as like the time setting too. this is probably the the kids of the um people who lived the right godfather timeline right yeah dude that's like a great analogy for it dude because like when i think when i see the stuff that i have seen like goodfellas and stuff it's really godfather like but this is more you know grunt level we're trying to come up 
and make a name for ourselves mm-hmm. kind of deal. Dude, I, yeah, man. Um, when this movie come out, what did we say? 73? 73. Dude, I can't believe how good this movie was for 1973, bro. It's, it's so good. This yeah. movie's so good. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's low budget and grainy and that just really feeds into the seediness of the film. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, if this was shot with better cameras, I don't, I don't think it gets this feeling. I don't think it, right. It feels as grimy and the characters don't feel as like lived in. Mm. It is gorgeous. Yeah, Yeah, man. It's like, um, there's no separation between people and background because of the quality of the cameras. It like, Mm -hmm. it kind of blends a little bit together. Right. And the the use of color and lighting and stuff, it, it really sets the mood. Yeah, and uh, let's see. He makes this for $500,000. Seriously? That's wild. Yeah, just basement level. And Whoa. you think of where he's where he's made his money before this. And Yeah, that's less uh, than Boxcar Bertha, I think. Yeah, I think it was. But I mean, he doesn't have he doesn't have Corman back in him on this one. Right. So he because John Cassavetes apparently tells him that Boxcar Bertha was a pile of shit. He's like, go make a movie that you care about. <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh. Box office was only $3 million, but I mean, that's still six times a return. Right. Yeah. But speaking of Boxcar Bertha, uh, David Carradine's back as the drunk. Yeah. <laughs> Surviving five shots. Well, for a while on the adrenaline anyway. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Just 50 get shot in the bathroom. 50 cent in it. 50 Far, cent in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, far cry from uh getting crucified to the side of a train. Uh. Mm. <laughs> Trav, you need to go back and watch Boxcar Bertha. Yeah, was- I'm, yeah, unfortunately I was able to watch it before uh this one, but I will say this, um who's that knocking at my door? Mhm. Terrible. <laughs> terrible <laughs> yeah it's yeah so. he was finding himself yeah and and that that film has as zach and i discussed it's it's kind of three different films that right. he shot at different times yeah because, and then put them together and then and then cobbled them together so they don't they don't really have a it flow looks in like narrative it. It yeah looks it looks like it. it really does uh because it's it's very disjointed but this this is a whole this feels like a complete thought and everything i i like this film so much oh yeah yeah Yeah, i think i agree my one uh if i had to pick apart anything about it is you know i've mentioned before and i try not to say this every episode but i think scorsese's best work is usually when he has other people's writing and script i mean he had some people writing with him there's Uh there's a lot of good dialogue and some interesting uh characters created but suffers from a little bit of a lack of plot, but maybe it doesn't need a plot. Maybe that's what it is. I I think, you know, if there were a little bit of a deeper story, it could elevate the movie a little more, but at the same time, it doesn't really need it. So that's my only real comment and any criticism. Yeah. Scorsese's Scorsese himself as a writer has never been great with dialogue. Even, even to this point, he's, he can, he can get through a story just fine, but the dialogue's always, shaky at best uh so yeah i agree with you when when we get to later films and he gets really competent writers he knows how to make writers dialogue pop yeah Uh, 
to a certain degree. So yeah, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of scenes in this film where just the way, the way they talk to each other kind of feels natural, but some of the things they're saying is, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't really notice it too much in this movie because I chalk it up to 1973. Right. <laughs> but going back to like what Zach said about there's like really no plot. Honestly, that's like most of his movies like all of his gangster movies to me have no plot like it's just events happening Mm. in my opinion like there's no real and there's you don't start anywhere and you don't end anywhere it just ends because the movie end but it's just events unfolding and happening and um you know i've really never noticed how poor the dialogue is but it's probably because he's got guys like pacino and de niro just crushing it you know so it's like he, he he could probably write a complete shit sandwich and it would still sound good that's fair i mean Keitel and de niro in this film are yeah they're now, putting what else has he been work. in Keitel. yeah harvey you probably know him best from reservoir dogs he's a mr white, mr. white. Mm. and i mean he was the main character in a who's that knocking at my door also yeah um so that was like his first oh that's the thing. same dude yep yeah Oh, okay. And we'll see him again in uh, Taxi Driver. Yeah, he doesn't have doesn't have a big role. Big but. role in Taxi Driver. And then he's in Bad Lieutenant, which is a great film. But really, De Niro's the only guy from this point that he brings with him, like no, throughout mean, his career. Because I don't recall anybody else in this movie that I've seen repetitively in his movies. I mean, you'll see Keitel a few more times, uh, but. De Niro essentially does become his muse after this. Right. Mm-hmm. And he's not going to be the lead of all of his films, but he's, he's in a bunch of stuff. Right. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Ke- and then Keitel was a, a, yeah. Well, I'll just, mention, he's a last temptation of Christ. We'll see him again. And he's in the Irishman mm-hmm. also. Yeah. Oh, he's the old, old I I just saw a picture of him. He's the old, old guy in Irishman that they killed. Yeah. Well, he was that, one of the head, head dudes. That sounds. Oh no. Did they kill him? Ah oh, man, I, I haven't watched that movie in two years. I don't remember who he played in that one. Angelo Bruno. He was. Oh uh, yeah. He was at the head of the table in the banquet at the union hall. He was like the local like mob boss. I thought that okay. that De Niro uh, kind of went under his wing when when he was yeah playing yeah the younger yeah. Version. Oh okay. But they killed him. I think. Yeah, I, eventually. I, I mean, everybody gets killed pretty much in that movie. So. <laughs> yeah. But the other person that we have talked a lot about so far that Scorsese brings along with him through his filmography does not work with him on this film. That is his editor, Thelma Schoonmaker. You know, right. I, I was waiting for her name in the credits and I didn't. So she she did not work on this film. Wow. Because. Apparently, after being nominated for an Oscar for Woodstock, they uh, the editors' union tells Thelma Schoonmaker that if she wants to join their union to work on films, she needs to become an apprentice. Okay, she says, "You know, I've I've been nominated for an Oscar, right? I don't need to be a fucking apprentice." They said, "Well, them's the rules. Them the rules." Ew. and they. They turn her away, so we will not be seeing Thelma Schoonmaker through the 1970s. Yeah, I saw that she didn't come back till Raging Bull, so that's crazy. And and I will 
I will get back to that wow. when we get to Raging Bull. Wow. But yeah, she uh I didn't she know that. does not work on a film through pretty much the entirety of the nineteen seventies. Holy crap. And here I was the whole time assuming that she'd edited uh Taxi Driver. No, but right. but I will when when we when we yeah. cover Taxi Driver, I will cover who edited it. Okay. It's an exciting name. Okay. And uh but from that point on, she and him, they do every single movie together, right? Literally every movie. Yeah. Okay. All right. And they have pretty much done everything together up until Boxcar Bertha, which she she work on that? No, I don't remember. I no, don't it's Buzz so. something. Okay. Yeah, the Buzz which, Buzz. Which I have to assume is just a Corman guy. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so that only makes sense. She wouldn't work on that, but... She doesn't work on this specifically for the reason that she is not in the editor's union and they will not let her work on it. Yes. Right. That's why that's that's insane that they can pick and choose who can edit a film. Like, shouldn't you be able to hire anybody to edit a think, movie? You would think, but apparently the rules were what the rules were. And but that's not the rules now. Like somebody could hire you. To edit a film if they chose to, I'm assuming. I I don't know what the rules are now. I'm, okay. Uh, there, there's the possibility, you know, if if I'm editing something that's going to go to like slam dance, I can probably edit it and have no problem. But there's probably still union rules that I can't just walk into Warner Brothers and say, hey, I'd like to start editing films now. <laughs> I sign up for that union. Yep. And, okay. Mm. But, but yeah, um wow. I do uh before we start wrapping this up, uh want to talk about that ending. Yeah. Mm. Dude, I just feel like it's your typical Scorsese ending. Like it just ends with an event, you know what I mean? And you get the ding. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea what that was. It just disappeared as soon was as the I doorbell. Went to check it. Yeah. <laughs> the Braves game. Over. Um <laughs> uh, the Braves game had ended before before we started recording, and they lost four to three. Boo. Um, yeah, uh, and you know Scorsese wraps himself up in these themes of like Catholic guilt, right? And with Catholic guilt comes penance, and that's essentially what we get here is the penance for uh, Johnny's sins. Right. It was a credible scene, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh God, it's. It's striking, especially. It makes me wonder how they did this in 1973. This whole car crash with this crazy traumatic event that's happening in the car. You know, the shootout or whatever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, how did they film this, dude? Well, um, in 1973, they had a camera, and um, Martin Scorsese actually shot Robert De Niro. Like they (laughs) they just filmed it. Literally shot him. (laughs) (laughs) But no, yeah, no. Like I said, with the violence, it's always so real. Um, mm-hmm. And it's not like, you know, when we got um, car explosions and stuff now, like the car doesn't go flying. It realistically crashes into something. Dude, it's so realistic. It's way more realistic than what you get now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it is a striking scene. And yeah, it's one of that. my favorite scenes in the movie. This and the pool table fight. Because <laughs> the pool table fight is just hilarious to me. Like, it's gruesome, but it's hilarious. It made me chuckle. This scene is really fucking good, though, dude. Like, great yeah. ending. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, uh, in looking at some notes here, like, I mean, we have to assume that Johnny's dying, but <clears throat> he doesn't die before the movie's over. So, right, says Johnny. Johnny's fate remains unknown. He's 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 stuck in purgatory. Ah, uh, got to stick with that Catholic guilt, baby. Yes. <laughs> there you go. That's what uh, happens. Is Teresa sticking through the windshield, her arms just like hanging out of Dude, it. Dude, so good. Just and like here's shot. like the, the firefighters there, just like taking the arms back through the windshield <laughs> and dude it's so good it is uh was uh was marty's mom in this i was trying to see if she was i don't like, think so i don't think she was yeah okay like i uh, saw one of the ladies in the apartment and i was like no i don't think that's her <laughs> yeah no, if you I, look at her wikipedia this movie wasn't listed so yeah. um yeah i don't think that she's in it don't believe so which is wild too, because I feel like this is this is his first good good film. So it's wild to yeah. me his mom wasn't in it. Like you put mom in all the shit, and you know you can't bless her with the good movie. <laughs> I mean the only put thing through the windshield, it, damn it. The only thing we've we've seen her in so far was um, it's not just you, Murray. Yeah. yeah, and that was terrible. That was terrible. I like that that movie. But now, from this point, we're no longer talking about this, right? When we get to the rest of rule now, okay. We're we're just basically this is his third film, so we're only okay. We're only Only comparing it to uh, Boxcar Bertha and (laughs) what a title? uh, Who's that? Yeah. (laughs) Looking some Uh, notes here. Obviously, our man Roger Ebert, who's been along with Scorsese all the way, uh, listed it in his great movies list. Um, mm-hmm. as it should be. James Gandolfini said it was one of his favorites, and Catherine Bigelow, Spike Lee. So you know, I mean, especially if you witnessed it. At, look, I'm I've, I have all these other gangster movies right that I've seen for mm-hmm. twenty years or so. I go back and watch this for the first time and think it's a fucking incredible movie. So imagine the thought process. If you saw her for the first time in 1973 mm-hmm. and you weren't privy to all the stuff that's to come. Yeah, especially especially with it looking the way it looks at this almost documentary style and yeah. Uh just the the style of the violence. Mm-hmm. It, this is unlike anything that's happening right now. Even even with the Godfather coming out a year before this, it they don't feel anything like the same movie, even though no, most no, people not would at all. Eat lump them into the same genre yeah i i mean we've already mentioned de niro but de niro is just he's uh electric and you could tell right away like that's a movie star like uh yeah so natural mm-hmm. uh yeah he's scary he and walks, funny and <laughs> he walks into his first scene and just changes the Owns feeling it. of the movie no, for completely sure. For sure and it's crazy seeing him so electric right because uh I'm you guys though. I've never seen Raging Bull, so um, I have never. Yeah, re- I don't get to see De Niro all you know hyped up and he's young. You know he's he's Al Pacino doing Al Pacino does. You know what I mean? When I when I see De Niro as I'm growing up watching movies, he's very calm and he speaks and you listen and he's soft spoken, but it's fucking impactful. Or he can do comedy, you know, like Meet the Fockers and just absolutely be hilarious but not like Adam Sandler's slapstick stuff. It's like, it's, 
I don't know how to describe why he's so funny when he does it, comedy. It's the straight comedy. I mean, yeah, he's he's a real good straight man. He's that guy that who's never in on the joke, but he's right. always kind of the joke. <laughs> he's good at it. Right. He, and it was awesome in, just seeing De Niro and PJs. Yeah. Even in movies I I don't like that he's in. I'm still like he's he's Doing a lot of work. Have you seen right, the yeah, War yeah. on Grandpa or whatever it's called? I haven't, Dude, but I have is, it on my computer. That movie sucks. <laughs> I'm not surprised. I'm kind of I'm kind of excited to watch it. But you don't hate De Niro though, and it you don't watch it and go, God, that guy sucks. It's just a bad movie. Yeah, sometimes you're just in a bad movie. Yeah. And it just is what it is. Yeah. All right. Anybody got any more notes on the film itself? No, no, I love all the characters. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah. And their names. Yeah, they're all just wonderfully shitty people. <laughs> Dude. Oh, that's the other thing, too, is like Martin Scorsese is so good at all of his characters being complete shitbags, but you still somehow feel bad at some point for the shit they go through. But you yeah. shouldn't feel bad. They're shitbags. <laughs> like they deserve have- it. We had the same discussion on, on the, the main episode on The Sting, uh-huh. where George Roy Hill kind of does the same thing with uh, The Sting, where all these guys are con artists and scumbags, right. but you're, you're just so excited to watch them screw people over. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, only in movies can you be excited about watching some fuckery. Yeah, exactly, because normally you have a good juxtaposition of, these guys are scumbags and yeah, oh yeah. Kind if we saw if we the saw these videos on like Facebook, and <laughs> these were real videos that somebody recorded. We'd be like, "This guy's a turd sandwich." Yeah, exactly. Fuck that guy. <laughs> but in the but in the movie, there's even worse scumbags, and you're like, "Oh no, no, no!" The, the low level scumbags. We want to root for them. <laughs> All right, uh, yeah. let's get to some worsty judgments. Trap. Yeah. Is this? Scorsese's worst film. Uh, oh man, not even. This isn't even his worst film years down the future. You know what I mean? But uh, mm. I wasn't able to watch Boxcar yet. But who's that knocking at my door? It's just a complete dumpster fire to me. That shit is horrible. <laughs> so, I mean, it, and it's it's incredible, dude. How like how many years is it from that to this? Four. Four. Five. Four. I think it might be five, six. Did that come out in 67? Yeah, 67. Okay, so six. Oh, wow. Okay, I didn't think there was that big of a gap between this. So I guess I'll change my statement. <laughs> but um, anyways, though, but he's only made one movie between this and that. So it's like, damn, dude. And two more movies you made, you completely turned it around. And it's impressive. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say also this is my favorite of the three we've watched so far uh who's that knocking on my door is a mess it it has a certain charm to it but yeah it's all over the place uh and boxcar bertha is it's a corman picture it's kind of hard to to judge it on anything other than the fact that it's exploitation uh so you get what you get with that style of film this this feels like somebody who had something to say and came out and said it and presented it in a way that we hadn't seen before. And I think if the, the dialogue was a lot stronger that this, 
this could have been even better, but as it is, it is a really great film. Zach, yeah, it's the Scorsese's worst film. No, um, pretty much echo what you just said. We talked last week. Um, I think we had a split decision. I said that I liked Boxcar Bertha a little bit more than Who's That Knocking at My Door? And you made the comment that Who's That Knocking is a little more personal. It felt like Martin Scorsese, where mm-hmm. like Boxcar Bertha is a Corman picture, but I liked I liked it a little more. So I think sure. I think I'm sticking by that. So no, uh, Who's That Knocking is still the worst that we watched so far for me. Mm-hmm. And I almost forgot to do this. This is in the Library of Congress, oh, yeah. the National Film Registry. Nice. Can you two guess what year it went in? Um, I'm guessing 2002. 2002? I was going to say 2003. So that's crazy. Mm. Neither of you wins the prices, right? Damn. 1997. Wow. Okay. Uh, so not even 10 years after this thing was made, it went in. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah. For, yeah. A, for a movie that wasn't even fucking nominated? Yeah. Mm. I mean, yeah. hindsight's 2020, I guess. Yeah. 24 years later how does this not get nominated bro for nothing it's wild like (laughs) but yeah that's where we are Mm -hmm. all right let's go ahead and wrap this thing up zach where can people find you on the interwebs find me on critiker zach master x-a-k-k-m-a-s-t-e-r or on uh, tiktok at house havoc trav nice and of course, you know, I may not exactly be an Oscar grouch, but I am a grouch. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can find me on Leveling Up with Benjamin Banks on all social medias at Leveling Up Banks. And you can find me personally on the Instagram at ZK Audio and on the Twitter at T-R-A-V-I-O-S-Z-K, Mr. Workman, where they going to find my man at. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Letterboxd at Father of the Fear Cross. All platforms. Zach, what are we watching next week? Next week, we are watching Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore, which you can stream on HBO Max, rent on Amazon, Google Play, Voodoo, or YouTube. Excellent. Well, we would like to thank uh, our co-host, Trav, from our sister podcast, Loving Up Benjamin Banks, for producing our show. We'd like to thank Chad Ramsey for our most excellent theme song. We'd like to thank Megan and Jay Bellevue for our beautiful artwork. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Pod and on Facebook at the Oscarwarsity Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a nice five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. It really helps us to be seen in the almighty rhythm of Al Gore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For Zach, Trav, and Jimmy Shorts, I would like for you all to have a damn fine day. Come over here. I'll put this up your ass. Yes, Jimmy Shorts. <laughs>